What's good, family? We are so honored that you have chosen to check out our podcast. Right now, we have one goal, and that is to behold God, not as we are, but as he is. We want to see God high and lifted up. And that's what our current teaching series is all about. It's called Views. Check out this message. We pray that it encourages and that it helps you wherever you are in your journey of faith. God of justice, love, and mercy, we honor you this morning. We bless you and we thank you for who you are. Lord, you are truth. Holy Spirit, you are the revealer of all truth. So we just call on you this morning. God, you know what we need to get us from where we are to where it is that you want us to be. So Holy Spirit, I get out the way and I say, have your way this morning. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. We are here for all of it in Jesus name. And everyone who agree with that prayer say it. Amen, amen, amen. So I'm Sharita. Good morning again. I'm Sharita Smith. I am one of the preachers here or communicators at Detroit Church. Amen. And I have the awesome privilege of being the wife of our pastor, Sonny Smith, and the mother of all four of his only sons. Amen. Sitting with him on, on the road there. And again, just such an awesome privilege to, to be with you all. Um, and so we're going to be talking about uh, as we continue this dialogue about how we see God and elevating our perspective and view of him, we're going to be talking about our God who is just. Our God who is just. And as I was preparing for this message, uh, the Lord just kept emphasizing with me justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness. Not either or, but how they go together in such an important and and important way. And so some of us are a little strong on justice, right? So if we start talking about uh, fighting for the poor and the marginalized, we're here for it all day, but we don't want nobody to talk to us about our lifestyle. And without righteousness, our advocacy or our, our longing for justice can easily become about what, instead of being about what's right, it can devolve into an us versus them. And you can very easily begin to take on the ways of the same oppressive spirit that you started out wanting to fight against. Right? So there's a danger in that. We don't overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil with... I didn't hear you. We overcome evil with... Okay, y'all gonna have to talk with me a little bit this morning. I'm that kind of preacher, okay? Some are also then strong, on the other hand, on righteousness. And so they'll be the first, to, or a form of it, right? They'll be the first at church. I don't drink, I don't curse, I don't smoke. And guess what? I also don't really do justice. And so what I want to say to you is that if you believe that you are righteous, which is to, to be in right standing with God, but you don't really care or have a heart for people, especially those who others look over, then I can tell you that your righteousness is filthy rags. So God is just, God is righteous, 
Psalm 89, 14 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. We need both. We need both. And so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time as I have been prone to do in other times when we're talking on the subject of justice, running down history and running down stats. I'm going to give you a quick snippet um, in the work that I do in the community. I have a lot of opportunity to speak and talk about Detroit neighborhoods and I can run the history and I can run the statistics back almost as far as you want to go about the injustice that Detroiters have had to endure from the dismantling of public education to the denial or suppression of our rights to participate in the democratic process through emergency management. I could talk about subprime lending and mortgage foreclosures. I could talk about over assessments and property being seized by our own government through tax property tax foreclosure. I could talk about that. I could talk about disinvestment in our neighborhoods and in our schools and school closures. I could go on and on about a historic municipal bankruptcy. I could talk about the Great Recession, not to mention COVID and flooding, and all of that just since 2004. In a city, we're talking about um, an economy of order, right? That's, that's part of the subtitle of the message today, an economy of order, and we're talking about um, generally in a city with a moderately healthy economy, there would be one job per citizen, right? So if the population is 900,000, there would be 900,000 jobs. Well, I'll give you some context. In Cleveland, and also a post-industrial city, there's about 466,000 jobs for about 394,000 people. They've got a little better than one job per person. Okay, in Atlanta, there's 818,000 jobs for about 447,000 people. So they've got almost two jobs per person. What would you imagine that number might look like for the city of Detroit? In Detroit, there are 260,000 jobs for just under 700,000 people. So that means we have a third of a job per person. That don't sound just to me. That doesn't sound just to me. And so Detroit, we have a problem. It's not just a political problem. It's not just a social problem. We have a spiritual wickedness in high places problem. And God in his infinite wisdom has the nerve and the audacity to call a church Detroit church in that context and give them a vision for all things new. It sounds to me like God is trying to make a statement about righteousness and justice. And so that I'm not accused of preaching a social gospel, I'm going to take you to the text. And we're going to look at how from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God has made his heart, his will, and his intention on the matter of justice very, very clear. He repeatedly emphasizes the special treatment and consideration that he requires to be given the poor and the marginalized. And I want to encourage you to jot these scriptures down and I encourage you to go back and read them in their full context so you can get all the richness because I don't want to keep you here for two hours today to give you that. All right, Psalm 103 verse 6 says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Proverbs 14.31 says, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. 
Amos 5.24 says, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And Matthew 23, um, so if you ever, this is just a sidebar, if you ever want to look at a passage where Jesus is going off on hypocrites, religious hypocrites in particular, you should go and check out Matthew 23. But in verse 23, he says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and deal and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides, straining out a net and swallowing a camel. Jesus is going off a little bit, just a little bit. And then we just finished an awesome series on James. So this passage should be very familiar. James 1:27. religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. The final passage I want to read this morning, Isaiah 61, verse 8 says, For the, I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong, and I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. So we can see throughout the scriptures, and even in the law, how God established the practice of gleaning and he established the year of jubilee and gleaning was about making sure that the poor could be provided for in a way that protected their human dignity they didn't have to feel like a charity case but they could go into the fields and glean and get the provision that they needed for their families and similarly the spirit of jubilee the year of jubilee was all about everybody gets a new beginning no matter if you had been to jail no matter if you had lost everything if you were in debt all of that was canceled everything was forgiven and you got in all things new how, how many of us looking around right now at our world could say we are in need in some of that jubilee and so it's so easy for us to, to, to get caught up in all the things we're looking around and there's a pandemic and there's this senseless horrible tragic violence and death and I just want to take a moment to say our hearts truly go out to the families who lost children this week in that shooting at Oxford High School. But we're surrounded by it. We're inundated with this violence that makes no sense with political rancor and division. And it's so easy for us to shake our heads and wring our hands and say, God, what are you going to do about it? And I'm one of those people that was like, look, Lord, what in the world is going on? What are you, where are you at? What are you doing? And he looked right back at me and Detroit Church. Now I'm looking at you and I'm telling you that God has already done something. He saved us from the penalty of the, and the bondage to sin. He filled us with his spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on. And now he's saying to you and to me, now go and be like me. So whatever it is that you're expecting from me to do, that's your job. You go do it. 1 John 4, 17 says, by this is love perfected with us so we may have confidence. Come on, in the day of judgment, because as he is, also are we in this world. So you go do it. You be it. You want to see the nations come to his light. You be sought. You be light. 
We want to see God move in this city in righteousness. Come on, he's like, when you move, I move, right? He's waiting on us. We're not waiting on him. Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. He left a template. He left a playbook for us to follow. So just as Jesus did what he saw the father do, now we are to look at Jesus and do what we saw him do and then look at the lost person next to us and say, you follow me as I follow Christ as he showed us the playbook of the father. Come on, we've been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So in the midst of chaos, when it seems like everything that can be shaken is being shaken, then we're supposed to be like, okay, we got the plug over here. You need righteousness. You need peace. You need joy in the Holy Spirit. Come, that's what we have. But in our finiteness, oftentimes we want God to show up how we want God to show up. Similar to Israel. When they wanted the Messiah and they were looking for a Messiah, they were looking for a political ruler. They wanted the Messiah to come and overthrow Rome and reestablish their kingdom and their territory. And what did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He fed the hungry. He talked to strange women at Wales, right? He hung out with sinners and ultimately he gave his life. He died on a cross. He didn't come the way they wanted him to come. And similarly, we are looking for Jesus to come in a way that we want him to come. We want Jesus to come and overthrow the liberals or overthrow the conservatives or whoever it is we think our enemy is. My inner Paul is saying, you foolish Americans, who has bewitched you? Did you receive the spirit by a political party or by faith? Whatever or whoever it is, we want Jesus to fix it so we can go on scrolling and clicking and missing the point. Listen, y'all, the enemy will use whoever will make himself or herself available. That includes me and that includes you. We are not fighting a political battle. We are not fighting a physical battle. It's not about the person next door or the person down the street or it's not about that. Come on, we're fighting a spiritual battle and the Lord tells us the weapons that he's provided for us are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And what are these strongholds? They're mindsets that keep people locked in bondage and oppression. God wants justice and righteousness. So on that basis, I have to call the question, do we really believe God? Do we really believe God? Come on, we serve a God that sees the end from the beginning. We serve a God whose judgment is perfect. His correction and discipline are perfect. His mercy and his love are perfect. Everything that he does is holy. Everything that he does is right. He is utterly consistent yet completely unpredictable. There is nobody like him. But do we really believe that he is who he says he is? Do we really believe that God is just? Do we really believe that he is mighty to save? Or have we allowed our experience of people in this fallen world to somehow mar the reality of who God is in our heart? See, when you believe God for real, for real, you start to move different. It's no longer I, me, my. 
It's no longer that, but it's Lord in you I live, in you I move, in you I have my being. It's Lord, your will, your way. Yes, 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 Lord. Yes, Lord becomes the cry of your heart. But when you believe just enough to hopefully escape hell, but not enough for it to impact how you show up in the world, then what your peers and your colleagues and your family think about you and what those folks think or define as success becomes more important than the reality of who God is and what it is that he requires. Help us, Father. Help us, Father. Um, in the beginning of every year, the Lord generally gives me scriptures, right? He gives me inheritance words, inheritance words that I can anchor myself in. We said God knows, he sees the end from the beginning. He knows stuff that's coming that we have no idea about. And so, you know, he, he knows his daughter, right? And so he, he has to position me in such a way that I can get through those things by going back to his word and back to his promises. And then this year, he moved a little different with me. He gave me those words, but he also gave me a picture. And the picture was real simple. My hand in his, walking with the Lord. And he said to me, no matter what, keep your eyes on me. No matter what, look up. Look up at me. And this year, <laughs> this year has been a doozy. And I know that's not true just for me, but for many of us. Lost loved ones, um, one of which was uh, the pastor of the church I grew up in, who I consider to be my father in the faith. Um, have walked with others through loss and trauma and grief that some you can't even imagine have dealt with intense stuff in the community and the city with work stuff leading up to and including a job transition um, as many of you know my mother had a stroke earlier in the summer and so I had an unplanned long stay in Memphis. I spent the summer in Memphis, basically, away from my family. Um, we had a son graduate college. We had another son move to D.C. We had another son putting out this amazing music. And then my baby, y'all, my baby is turning 13. Somebody pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. So it's been really a year of high highs and low lows. And what I want to confess to you today is that, you know, I didn't always do the best job of navigating that. There were times when I complained way too much, where I worked myself to exhaustion and allowed myself to become frustrated. And when people were real disrespectful, because sometimes in these Detroit streets, people get disrespectful. They look at the five foot frame and they get it twisted, right? People get disrespectful and you want to retaliate. And the Lord had to deal with me because we have to remember there's, there's some things that God just don't mess with. And grumbling and complaining is on that list of stuff that he absolutely hates. Because when we grumble and complain, it means we're either ungrateful for what has already been provided or we look into something or someone else as our source. And so in that unplanned time that I had away, the Lord was able to literally snatch me up out of the craziness that is my life, press pause on all the things that I'm doing and I'm working and thinking I have under my power and control, and literally took me to a place where I couldn't do nothing about nothing. And he reminded me of that picture 
of me and him walking through all the things. Just took me back through all the things, right? Walking through all the things hand in hand and reminding me, what did I tell you? Look up, keep your eyes on me. And what I can tell you is that through a very, very difficult time, because of the ability, come on, to look up, <laughs> he gave me such an inexplicable peace and a gratitude that filled my heart that even when I was in the hospital room and like I wasn't sure that my mom would ever be the mom that I knew again he gave me such gratitude Lord I thank you that she's still here I thank you that she still got a chance to say yes to you God I thank you I thank you I thank you he filled my heart with such gratitude. And I can tell you that I have seen, I am seeing, and I know that I'm going to continue to see God do the most amazing things. I could testify this morning of so many promises fulfilled and prayers answered. Walking in justice and righteousness. My mom, come on, she's still here today. She's recovering physically, and more importantly, she gave her life back to Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. You're faithful. He's shown his goodness to so many people through my work. You know, part of what we did in my former employer, we uh, rehabbed houses and um, for new homeowners, and we were able to work with people sometimes who probably didn't even imagine that homeownership was even something that they could attain. And I remember this one family in particular, um, we had gotten a house from the Wayne County Land Bank. And, you know, our organization doesn't really do houses that are occupied um, because we are not in the business of wanting to put people out of their houses. But I'm so grateful that we ended up getting this house because this family um, owned the house outright but had fallen behind on taxes. And like so many others, they didn't even know that they had lost their home. And what the, the husband had become disabled, and so he was behind on some of the financial matters, and we were able to work with them so that they were able to keep their home, they were able to pay off those taxes, and then to give them resources and information to make sure that they didn't find themselves in that situation again. And I could just tell you so many stories of turning blight to beauty and of helping people start and grow businesses. The businesses in our neighborhood, I mean, what happened there was was unheard of. We had folks not only survive through COVID, but really begin to thrive and expand. And I know that that was nothing but the goodness of our God. There's so many people that talked about how they, you know, formerly may not have come into the building as much, but as they came and they interacted with us, they, they reflected on the kindness and the goodness that they experienced. And I can just tell you, I'm so grateful for the kind of work that I get to do. And I'm excited about what God has for me in this new role. But I don't want to make it seem too flowery, like these things happened without difficulty and opposition, because we shouldn't expect that. Amen. I love what Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, we have this treasure 
in earthen vessels to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted on in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal bodies. So we can't afford to be afraid of pain. Come on. He's with us in the pain we don't have to go through or endure anything alone but I want to encourage you don't let fear don't let pride don't let accusation don't let any lie of the enemy keep you from being all that God called you to be and I hear him saying to us church it's time to draw near it's time to draw near to God and not just believe that he is good and that he exists but that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him Come on, what does that reward look like? That reward looks like the ability to help shape history. If you go to the hall of faith, he's given us so many examples in Hebrews 11, like Noah and Abraham and Moses, who scripture says chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin that came from being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Come on, he gave up a position of royalty and rather to be mistreated with the people of God. Scripture goes on to say, all those who through faith conquer kingdoms and enforce justice and obtain promises and stop the mouths of lions and quench the power of fire and escape the edge of the sword were made strong out of weakness. Come on, it's our time now. Can you say that with me? It's our time now. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah 59, 14 through 17, it says that justice was turned back and righteousness was far away. It says truth had fallen in the public square. Sounds a little familiar to us. Talked about how departing from evil made you vulnerable or made you a prey. And it displeased the Lord that there was no justice and since there was no man to intercede, it says the Lord with his own arm brought salvation. How many of you know in the new covenant, thanks to Jesus, now there's not just a man, but there are many men and many women to intercede. Now you and I are to put on the whole armor of God and to stand. So is the day evil? Is there a need for righteousness and justice? What is God doing about it? He's filling you with his spirit. He's giving you his word. He's providing these examples of faith and he's saying now it's your time. This is your day. God is not at all surprised by the things that are taking place in our generation. He's not caught off guard. Which is why he decided that you were born now and not in some other dispensation of time. That's why he sent you. And it's so easy for us to get sucked into the world system and the world's way of doing things. To be consumed with building wealth and providing for our family and Sometimes you just want to check out after a long day at work. And some of us literally like, we're like, this is all too much. I just want to hide up under the covers or put my head down in the sand. And when I look up, hopefully things will be better. Listen, our life is but a vapor and our time is short. 
And at the end of all of this, only what we do for Christ will last. Listen, we don't like to talk about this in a 21st century church, but there is a final judgment that is coming, right? That all of this is going to come to an end. And when we get there, we're going to have to give an account for our words and our works. Not that the works could ever earn us a seat in heaven, but our works reveal the motivations and the intentions of our heart. And God is, as he has always been, after our hearts. Just like when Israel would get off track and start taking on the ways of the kingdom around them and serving lesser gods, there was always judgment and there was always a prophet to come out and say, yo, repent, repent, repent. We need those prophetic voices in our day that aren't afraid to say, hey, this isn't the way that God has designed us to live. Repent, repent, and turn. Come on, there's good works that he planned for us to do before the foundation of the world. He wants people to see these good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. So what are you doing? Who are you looking at? God says, all eyes on me. Stop wringing your hands. Stop wringing your hands. Stop shaking your head. Don't hide under the, under the covers. God is saying, seek me and get this work. Sometimes we're waiting for it to all be organized by the church or by the pastor. And let me just tell you, you it's, it's great. The church will do stuff, but you don't have to wait for us to have a harvest night or an outreach to get involved in the work of God and justice and righteousness. Come on, on your block, on your job, in your family, who is it that God wants to bless through you? And if you still aren't sure, that's why we're in a community. That's why we have those. You hook up with those who know and who have a passion for that and who are doing the work. Come on, you got Central Detroit Christian that's doing amazing work. You have the union. You have people in this congregation that are doing stuff that we don't even know about, that we can connect with and join with them so that we can learn and grow in this area. But at the end of all of it, what you have to know is what we do matters. Not because God needs us. So get that out of your head. He is the king of kings, the Lord of glories. He doesn't need anything. It's not that he needs us, but in his infinite wisdom and love and mercy, as Fonz preached so eloquently last week, come on, he's invited us into community. He's given us an opportunity to catch some of this glory and get filled with some of this glory so he can fill the earth with this glory. So that we can reflect him. Help us, Father. Help us, Father. As I prepare to close, I want to read Matthew 25, starting with verse 31. And I'm going to read it from the message version. <laughs> it says, when he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him. The son of man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting the sheep on his right and the goats to his left. 
And then the king will say to those on his right, enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped and you visited. I was in prison and you came to me. And then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? And then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he will turn to the goats, the ones on his left, and say, get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry, and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was homeless, and you gave me no bed. I was shivering, and you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison, and you never visited And then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? And he will answer them, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. And then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. And again, I know we don't like to talk about judgment. We want to talk all about God's love and his goodness, but both are true. (laughs) His judgment is perfect too. But if God is, and if God is who he says he is, and we believe his word is true, then we have to believe there will indeed be a final judgment and we will have to indeed give an account Again, not to earn our seed and glory, but really to reveal an index of our hearts. Our salvation is on the basis of confessing with our mouth and believing in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that confession and that belief transforms us from the inside out so that by his grace, we can be light to the nations and we can point the way to salvation. This passage is so convicting because I can just think of so many times I've been too busy to stop or even see someone in need. And Jesus is saying to us, that's me you overlooked. I don't know about you, but I want to be like him. When he needs an intercessor to move in justice and righteousness, I want to be available to him. I don't want to be busy. When he needs to make all things new, when he wants to make all things new in our city, on our block, with our neighbors, in our family, we want him to say, yeah, Detroit Church, we're available. We're here for that, Jesus. We're here for that. Justice and righteousness, God, we're here for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is 
a lamp unto our feet. It's a light to our path. God, we thank you, Lord, that when we get off course in your infinite wisdom and mercy, God, you are so faithful. You are so good, God, that you're able to come and to, to redirect our attention. So, God, we repent. If we ever overlooked you, we repent. I pray, God, that you give us your heart, Lord God, that you re reveal your heart to us. Holy Spirit, would you quicken us? Would you make the many opportunities that you give us to be God's justice and to reveal God's love to our neighbors and to our family? Lord, help us to be sensitive and available for you when you come calling. I pray, God, that you would stir up a spirit of intercession in us, Father, that we would know the price that was paid for our redemption and that we would not take it for granted, Jesus, but we would want, just as you want, that none would perish, that we would be about our Father's business, God. We would take up the charge that you have given us, Lord. And Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness and mercy to us that is so far beyond what we deserve. I pray, God, that you would help us to move in the spirit in which you have called us, in the spirit of Christ, to make all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. honor you father we pray that this has helped you in some way shape or form and if you would like to connect with us you can by sending us an email at info at detroitchurch.com or by searching detroit church on all social media platforms we love you and god bless you